Hello, and welcome to Carried Away. I'm your host, Carrie Murray. As the founder of the Bra Network, the Business Relationship Alliance, I have met some of the most inspiring women working as entrepreneurs, freelancers, founders, executives, and creatives, and I want to share their stories with you. So let's get carried away. How do those people get to be on the TED Talk stages? What's a girl got to do? I got a platform. I got a microphone. Lucky for us, joining us today is Von Leidemon, who did just that. She used her curiosity, she kept asking what if, and she took small steps and it landed her on a TEDx stage. I am thrilled that we are getting carried away with founder of WorkSmart Advantage, Von Leidemon. As people are popping in, welcome to Carried Away. My fabulous guest today is Van Leidemon, and her brand, WorkSmart Advantage, really brings out the curiosity in teams, mm-hmm. and I'm loving this whole idea. How are you? I'm great, thank you. Yes, I'm just enjoying yet another day at home. <laughs> what can you do? Exactly. <laughs> right? Um, we're going to talk about the things that have kept you busy uh, during quarantine, especially because like myself, you've been homeschooling, and you did get a picture of your son mm-hmm. in the doorframe, like, oh, Spider-Man. I mean, we're going to have to level this house by the time this is over, because it's just become his playground and my playground, and it's really just going to be have to be leveled. <laughs> I love, how old is he? Remind me. He's seven now. Oh, he's seven. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a fun age. Um, Wonderful. Well, uh, I'm excited to dive into how you got on that TED Talk um, because it seems like the golden chalice of what an entrepreneur wants, right? It's to get on that TED Talk and to be on that stage and have the big TED behind you. It's like what we crave for. But before you tell us about that, I want you to tell me how you came up with the idea with WorkSmart Advantage. Okay, sure. So, it's sort of a, a longer story than just coming up with work smart advantage. I have been creative my whole life, but it was never accepted in my family that creativity was going to be a business. So, you know, I, I went and did everything. I went to college. I got my MBA. I went into the corporate world. And probably about 10 years ago, I came up with this idea because of my creativity that I wanted to let other people explore their creativity. And I had this idea to start personal and professional development workshops um, through art and crafts. And in my head, it was called Craftivity Events. So when my son was born, I ended up saying, I'm going to quit my job and do something I love. So I started this company called Craftivity Events, where I hosted, you know, these workshops in in my backyard. And I would invite people. And and we did things called Field of Dreams and Vision Boarding. Um, But by the time I created the workshop, invited people, tried to get people into my backyard, I think I was making like $3 an hour. Maybe. <laughs> so that's the truth. I mean, maybe. Yeah. So, so then, but I've always done corporate work too. So Google hired me for, for a workshop and it sent me one nice big check. Nice. Um, and I was still doing both. And then I sat down with a coach and a coach said to me, you know, where do you think you can have the most impact? And when I thought about that, you know, he was saying to me, not all people are comfortable in the corporate world. So if that's where you're comfortable facilitating. That's where you should be. And for me, it's like the idea of bringing creativity in the workplace, like that's who needs it most. That's who, that's what I needed. That's why I left my corporate career because I wasn't getting it. So, so that's when I hunkered back down 
revamped to work smart. And even over the last couple of years, it's transitioned from, um, you know, professional development through arts and crafts through a wider, a, like a wider definition of what creativity is, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and it really has um, expanded to me, rather than being just around arts and crafts, this whole idea of using creativity in any form to give people in the workplace a voice. So I love this. <laughs> Thank you. So we do team development, leadership training, all through the lens of creative activities. So that again, like everyone finds a certain comfortable way or maybe an uncomfortable way to share their voice and share their ideas. I love this. Now I'm going to have you back up to 17-year-old um, Vaughn who's getting ready to go to college, um, not being able to major in art uh, or something creative. How, how was that for you to kind of know that you have this calling of creativity, but because of, you know, your family and the way you're raised and culturally that was like, no, 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 you're not going to be an artist. You need to make money. I mean, how did you kind of internalize that and deal with that? Uh, you know, that 17 was like 17 was so insecure for me. Right. I, I mean, I was smart. I knew I was going to college. It wasn't like that was a question, a question like I was going to college. So I went and went. I studied psychology because I didn't know what else to study. And I thought I was going to do pre-med. Um, right. It's like so. So. So I feel like that 17 year old, I was so lost. I had no idea what I was doing. I had no other interest in creativity. But here I was trying to force myself into a career path that wasn't really right for me. And that really just continued on, you know, after I graduated from. Um, from college, I moved back home, and I was I was teaching. I was going to physical therapy. I was doing my prerequisites for physical therapy school, and then all of a sudden, I hear on the radio, you know, get your MBA at Pepperdine. So I literally think I heard that radio ad, took my GMATs a week and a half later, got in, and went straight to get my MBA. Wow! And like, really, like without thinking, like, is this really what I want? Um, and just moving towards a goal that someone else had for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so now that you're a parent, how much of, are you allowing the kind of, you're probably got the floodgates open for creativity for your son. <laughs> I mean, so much so I'm like, Oh, maybe I should, you know, <laughs> pull back a little bit. <laughs> pull back just a little bit because like this child is, he's, he's what probably I wanted to be right. In terms of he's free to do and be whoever he wants to be. Um, but I think there's probably, I, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who's an artist and he, he was, he knows my son very well. He's like, and he's like, this boy, he's got vision. He's going to be his own personality. You've built that into him. But what he needs to learn is discipline, right? Mm -hmm. Not like, not like have me disciplining him, but he right. needs to learn how to be disciplined to, to follow whatever it is that he wants to do for him to be able to focus and move towards that. Right. And that's just, you know, self-control. Right. And yeah. it's hard to ask a six-year-old boy to have that, you know, hard to ask a 47 year old woman, yeah. <laughs> at least this 47 year old woman. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. it is a, a, a struggle. I know um, when I was growing up, I loved creativity. I was just horrible at it. I wanted to be an artist. I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a dancer and I was just kind of mediocre at best. <laughs> Um, yeah. but I kind of get my creative, creative side out of me is dancing, working out. Um, definitely. I'm not someone who can sketch, you know, or anything like that, but I'm very kinesthetic. So I love building. So when I was on your website and saw that you worked with Legos, um, I was like, that's my jam. How do I get a workshop with Legos? That's amazing. So tell me and tell everyone how, first off, I didn't know you get to be a Lego certified Yes, trainer. master trainer. Um, how how is that process? 
And then how do you apply that to your groups that you work with? Sure. So first of all, going back to like, I'm not that creative. I feel like I was always creative in terms of kinesthetic, like you were saying. I've never been a gr- great at sketching. I've never been great at dancing. I've never been at any of that. But the, and I feel like that adds to the value of what I bring to a company because it isn't, what I like to talk about is creativity is a capacity and not a skill, right? Yeah, Oral painting yeah. is, is a skill. Opera singing is a skill. But creativity is a capacity that we all have. So as long as you're willing to help to, to, to try and expand that creativity, you're going to be able to be more creative in terms of your thinking, in terms of um, even getting better at those things that you don't think you're so good at now. Yeah, yeah, and developmentally, we really need it. You know, yeah, we need that exposure. You know, that's why they tell you to sing to your baby as soon as they're born or even in the womb, you know, to kind of, because that part of our brain is really, really important to help with the right side of our brain. So I love that. I love all of this. Um, so you're right. Creativity is passion. That's right. That's right. We're all creative. That's right. Um, so, so back to the Legos. So I... You know, when I started my business, it was all, it was all around hands-on arts and crafts. But what I noticed in companies is like, you know, when I'm, I'm like, oh, we're going to learn about leadership training and we're going to finish off with an arts and crafts project. You're like, well, we need the first part. We don't need the arts and crafts project. So one of the things I started doing is calling it a creative artifact. We're going to end with a creative artifact and people tend to want to buy that more. But then I started adding other tools and Lego Serious Play is one of the tools I added. I learned about it at a, at a, a conference in New York. And what it is, is a facilitation method that allows you to think with your hands, right? Activating again the right side of your brain. So the process is, um, you can use it for anything, team building, strategy, coaching someone. So the, the philosophy behind it is that you, you think with your hands, right? Instead of the left side of your brain, you're literally thinking kinesthetically. And first, there's something about using your hands and building a model that allows you to express what you're thinking in a way that you may not if you just try to spit it out. Um, it's really great for anyone, but particularly introverts. And although I don't consider myself an introvert, when I am in a boardroom meeting and someone's like, who has an idea for X, Y, and Z? I am never raising my hand. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm going to sit on my hands because I'm the person who wants to think about my answer, make sure I look good when I, when I express my, my thoughts, and, and I won't say anything. But with Lego Serious Play, the way it works is the question is asked, Everyone around the table builds an idea and then everyone around the table shares the idea uninterrupted and without judgment or critique. You share it, you move on, right? No one's like, oh yeah, but, or oh, we should add on to this. There's none of that. Everyone shares. And then the next part of it is, and now I'm giving something away, but the next part is like, now build two more ideas. Ah. Right. And now build five more ideas. Right, so now you're they're trying to get people to think wild and crazy ideas because that's where the magic is. That's where now you have everyone's ideas on the table, everyone's ideas have not been judged, and now you're going to collaborate and build something that's going to work for for whatever parameters you might have around the issue, problem, innovation, whatever it might be. Got you. Now, do you sometimes have to go in into a company? or work within a smaller brand, a small business, and there's tension. And, and do you use this method to help them work out problems? Yes. So that's, I mean, it's, it's a problem-solving tool. So you can use it for conflict management. Once again, like, if you and I are having a conflict and you ask what I, what I really think, I, I'm, I may not say it or I may not know how to say it, but if I build you and I in a model and tell you what's going on in a metaphor, it opens up the conversation. 
I love that. I love that. It would be like me, this big polar bear. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> that's what I picture my Lego set. <laughs> um, I love that. I think that's really, really cool. Because, And what, why do you think, I love when I was on your website, first off, I saw Misty and Jenna. So that was cool yeah. to see. I was like, hey, um, I, I love seeing um, how you worked with big corporations um, and you broke things down in like bite-sized pieces for everyone to be able to consume, but kind of wrap their head around the idea. But what I think you're brilliant at is you create curiosity. So your website and just even your Instagram and everything, I've been clearly stalking you on LinkedIn too, to prepare for this, but everything kind of makes you go, what? makes you want to look a little bit deeper into what you're doing. Do you think you've always been this curious or do you think it kind of developed with your creativity when you built this? Yeah, I I have always been curious because it was built into me, right? As a child, which is like something I, something a little deeper, but the fact is like some, and I talk about this when we talk about my TEDx talk, I was raised in a refugee family, right? We we came in from Vietnam. I was two years old. So all my life I was raised by a, my parents who love me, but always instilled in me fear <laughs> that there's not enough, right? And, um, and work hard and, and just, but, but in that, but you know, so their words taught me work hard, go to school, get a career. So those were their words, but yes. their actions were because we didn't have a lot of money, because they had to figure things out for themselves in this new country, every single day, I saw them being curious about something and then moving forward to resolving whatever that was. So literally it, and it just hit me in preparing for my TEDx talk. This like, this all just came to me recently that, that the work I do is, it seemed like a mystery to me, right? Cause my parents like really instilled in me, um, very traditional methods of making money and, mm-hmm. and being successful. But it, be, it dawned on me like, no, what they really instilled in me was this idea of following my curiosity every single day. Oh, I love that. That's really great. Um, so then that led you to find, so you tried the MBA route, you yeah. tried corporate America, yep. and then you're like, I'm out. <laughs> I had my son. And, uh, what am I doing? And that's a lot of entrepreneurs' stories, right? They, yeah. they doubt, oh, yeah. raise very traditionally, get a job, be successful. You can either be a lawyer, a doctor, or a business owner. Um, but that was watch my, watch my kid become an engineer. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's, I'm curious then, then when you went to go, um, when you went to start your own business, work smart advantage, you're like, all right, I'm doing it. Um, what was it like to work with that first client that you finally was like, I got that first client and I'm going to show them this great idea I had. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's such a growth process. I think about that first client. I think about how I was so insecure and sort of just like, let me just do something very, very, something that I know will be easy and simple and that they will accept. Um, and I mean, it was exciting to do. Like I had, I, there was, it was so much fun to be able to share this with them, but there was still that like, am I good enough? Right. Do I know what I'm doing? And, um, and so, yeah, so it wasn't, I have to say like, it wasn't like a, uh, I don't look back like, oh my God, that was so amazing. Oh, my first client, it was a beautiful experience. No, there was a lot of, there was still a lot of insecurity around, around that. And it's amazing how you know, in the course of, I mean, I've been in business now for five years, but in the course of five years, I look at that year one and be like, oh my gosh, what a cute little baby I was. 
Because <laughs> like, like, I was like, oh, you want me to do what? Oh yeah, I can do that. Oh, I can do it for that price too. And I was like, you, you see on my website, like here's who we are and here's who you are. Here's who we want to work with. Yeah, right? because we don't- I did notice, I did notice on your website also that Peter Parker's on one of your, is on your team. Um, I didn't know that Spider-Man was available. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Spider-Man is available for, for hire. He's, he's the play portion of our, of our work. <laughs> that's, actually, that's actually Jacob Lawrence. And I'm, you know, I met him through, through his, um, his girlfriend, Mary Stewart, um, works in, in, in team culture. And she and I met at a network event randomly I, I i sat down to eat my eat my dinner and she sat down next to me and we started talking and she's like oh you should know my she, i told her what i do she's like you should meet my boyfriend jacob he does work in um, similar work but he does it through play play not creativity mm-hmm. um so we've done a lot of collaborations together now and he literally lives three blocks away from me so i'm like i'm gonna pick you up jacob and th- 30 seconds later i'm at his house <laughs> i love that that's convenient yeah he doesn't have to you know spin a web to come to your house right. <laughs> um so i love because you guys have to go to our website and when you go click on the our team he's wearing a spider-man like onesie underneath a, a, a suit yeah, <laughs> a suit. yeah. <laughs> that's brilliant i love that, that. So so i get it i get it yeah. um so then what led you so now baby vaughn year one Mm-hmm. So, sorry, year one, and you're kind of getting your feet wet. You're trying to figure out, like all of us, how do I price this? How do I scale this? How do I market this? How do I get, you know, more clients coming in? About where in your journey were you approached about the TEDx talk? Okay, so that TEDx talk was not. It was, it was it's ser- that was serendipitous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll share my serendipitous story, but I will also share so much of what I learned on, on how most people should go about getting one, or I shouldn't say should, could go about getting one. Um, but my story was, so I took my mom down to, to Anaheim for a, a, a giant 3,000 person um, celebration of the Vietnamese manicure industry, because she was one of the first 20 Vietnamese, licensed Vietnamese manicurists in the United States. So it was a celebration of her and Tippi Hedren, the movie star who yeah. got it all started. And I, as an entrepreneur, we all want to do a TEDx talk, right? Or TEDx. And so I sat there in the, and, and for the last three years when I'm thinking, oh, I want to do a TEDx talk, I'm like, okay, well, I want to talk about creativity, but I don't know exactly what. I didn't have a clear intention. So as I was sitting there in the audience, watching my mom on stage, hearing the story for the 10 millionth time in my life, it dawned on me like, this is my story, right? This is my TEDx story. It's a personal story that connects to, I mean, connects me personally. This is also a story that tells my business. It talks about how these 20 women followed their curiosity, had the courage to ask what if, and then took small steps to create what is now an $8.3 billion industry. And there's no way in the world when they took those first steps they could have ever foreseen that. Um, so, and so I yes, can't I wait for them to come back. back. Look at these. <laughs> no, this Friday, apparently I heard this Friday they're coming, like the nail oh, salon can open. Yeah. <laughs> So my hair, my nails. <laughs> You're watching your mom. You figured it out that this was your kind of moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I figured this is what I want. This is my talk. I finally got very clear on what my talk was going to be. Um, I hadn't written anything down. It was just in my head. But the intention was there. A week and a half later, I get home. And I, I'm home. And I'm, going, I'm on LinkedIn. And I see uh, an ad, TEDx Citrus Park Women, um, Mission of Mavericks. So I click on it and it's a full docket of speakers already, right? They're just selling tickets. 
Right. So in that moment, I could have just said, okay, well, too bad for me. Like, I, I bought a ticket, right? But in my head, I could have been like, too bad for me. I'll just buy a ticket. I'll go watch it. But instead, I, I did what I do. I said, what if? Right? What if they have one more spot for my story? So I emailed them and I asked, this is my story. I think it'd be a great fit for your stage. Um, I would love to, you know, I would love to share the story on your stage. And a few days later, I got an email back saying, we would love for you to share your story on our stage. So, so that's how it happened for me. And, it, and I say serendipitous because Citrus Park is in Anaheim, where that event was that I took my mom to. And then as I'm doing, you know, I, I knew this all along, but as I was relearning my mom's history, the nail, um, the, what, the beauty college that accepted them as, as students way back when in 1975 was called Citrus Heights. So Citrus Park, Citrus Heights, and both of them, like this was like all very much meant to be. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. That's really incredible. And that's, um, and how long ago was that ceremony and everything, everything? So the ceremony was in October. I mean, this all happened very fast. It was in October, um, November, like like the end of October, beginning of November is when I contacted them. The TEDx talk was the beginning of December. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So, so not, not exactly traditional, you know, oh, you get noticed, you get six months to eight months to write your story. Um, it wasn't that for me at all, um, but it was it was it was right for me because I promise you, if I had had six months to write this thing, I would have shut down my business <laughs> just because I, I get obsessive. <laughs> so yeah, I get that. I get that too. Um, so when you you're getting ready to go on the TEDx stage, first off, what do you wear? I mean, that's secondary, I guess. But what as you're prepping for, what would you recommend to someone who's doing? First off, I love that you just said. I'm going to email them. The, yes. the answer is going to be no, unless you ask. Right. right. So, um, so I love that you had the courage and curiosity to just say, I'm going to email them. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure enough, you got the yes, you're on. Right. What was the first thing you started to do after you heard? Yes. I mean, besides jump up and down with excitement and, <laughs> and freak out, right? Oh, now I kind of have to do this, which I have to tell you, I spent a lot of my life that way. Right, a client calls like, "Oh, can you do this event for 350 people?" Absolutely. <laughs> oh, let me figure out how to do that now. Um, so the first thing I did was I started writing. I started writing my talk, um, and I wrote the whole draft of it, thinking like, "This is an amazing talk." And I had then I spoke to someone who had done a TEDx talk, and he recommended that I talk to this TEDx consultant that he that he knew. So I talked to the TEDx consultant, and in our 15-minute conversation, I got so much knowledge about how I should actually write a TEDx talk that I had to scrap the whole thing and start over again. Mm. Um, and in, so when I, when I, and I wrote an article about this on, on Thrive Global called, So You Want to Speak on a TEDx Stage? And I really, I outlined for anyone, because there were so many little nuances. I'm like, oh, I wish I'd known. I wish I'd known this. So I just laid it all out in this, in this article. Um, so, so when you write a TEDx talk, you have to think about your through line. Like, what's your through line? So my through line was um, how following your curiosity, asking what if, and taking small steps can lead to possibilities. So that's the message I really wanted for everyone to take home with and do something with. Because what, what you want to make sure is your TEDx, TEDx talk is coming from you, but it's not about you. Ah, very important. <laughs> yes, it's not about you. It's about what you can give to the audience and what they can take away um, and, and take action on, right? It's about ideas worth spreading. 
Um, but you do, if, to make it powerful, you do want to add in your personal story. So you want your through line, and then you want to add in your personal stories, maybe some quotes, maybe some, um, some data. Uh, but it's always like make, every, make sure everything is coming back to that through line. And I had that framework to work with. Some people talk about something they're passionate about. Um, but, whatever, but whatever you do, make sure it's, it's in that through line. And then another piece of advice I got, which was hard to do, but it really made my talk more powerful, is take out the things that you love the most. In, yeah, in this sense, because like, the only things you love the most are really about you, for the, you know, in, in a sense. Right. There's some things that really I left in there because it added to the story and added to how people can move forward or, or led to inspiring other people to move forward. But there were definitely a lot of deals like, but I love that part. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's got to go. That's fascinating. <laughs> I never realized that, but you're okay. right. Anytime I get ready for a talk, I do find myself, well, this part's about me. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Um, so did you rehearse in the shower? Did you I rehearse <laughs> everywhere? So there's two there's two thoughts in, in TEDx, right? So some people are like, just write bullet points. And my like where I stand is memorize that damn thing word for word 35 times a day until you're saying it in your sleep. Because what we don't realize, I mean, at least for us who are natural performers, is that when you see someone making a speech that looks so natural, that is well rehearsed, right? It's so well rehearsed that it looks natural. Yeah. Um, so I'm on the side of memorize it word for word until you have it down so down packed that it sounds natural. And then you can maybe change one or two words. Um, but with TEDx, like you're on that, you're on that red dot, right? You're on that red dot, but you've got cameras all around you and it's time, it's limited to a certain amount of time. So you really, and you really want to make that impact in your story, the way you wrote it, rather than it's like, let me just wing it and see if I get my, if, if I get my information across. Right. So, right. And then do this. Do, do they have a rehearsal? Do you get to see the stage before you get out there? Or is it just like, go? <laughs> so so what I know about TEDx, now having gone through it and having heard other people's experiences, it's all different. Because TEDx, so there's TED, right? The, the parent company. And then TEDx is um, individually operated by community participants. So you and I, Carrie, we could have a TEDx if we want to. Let's do it. Can we make Let's it pink, though, instead of red? <laughs> I don't know about that. I think we have to put our stay on brand. Mess up with their branding? They probably yeah. don't like that. <laughs> um, so we could have a TEDx talk, and we could do what we want with it, right? We could pick our own theme. It's got, all got to be approved. We pick our own theme. We pick our location. We decided we want to offer our, our speakers coaches. We decided we want to do a um, do a, a dress rehearsal. So all and, – and, and some people, like, like some people, when they do their TEDx talk – it's every week, okay, send in what you have. Now send in a video. Mine was not like that. It was very much like they believed in us. They, they gave us free reign, write your talk. We had to send in th two or three drafts of our talk, our PowerPoint if we had one. And then the day of, uh, we met the night before more of a social, but then the morning of, we met early and were able to like, stand on the stage, but we didn't practice on the stage. Gotcha. So, so in, in that, I would also say, and again, like, this, I'm not like making money off this article. Just go read the article. If you want to get on TEDx stage, read the article because it's just like, it's all the things I wish I knew. So, so one thing I would say is advocate for yourself. 
You know, I, you, you're telling your story. If they chose you, they want you there. So you now you have this leverage to advocate for yourself as a speaker. You know, no, I want to be on stage and I want to be able to practice on stage. So what time can I come the day before, gotcha. the day, the morning of, whatever it is. And then the other thing I didn't realize, which again, um, make sure you know, is how much, how much um, control of the editing will I have, right? Yeah. Good so, point. yeah. So you see these well-polished TEDx talks, but you don't realize like, yeah, they're like some people start and stop. Oh, it's not live. It's not no, 45 minutes. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they, they, so for mine, for example, I did my whole thing, but there's one part that I talk about this organization called the Honor Foundation. And it's a foundation that, that I do some pro bono work for. And I'm, I adore the work they do. They work with special force operators in their transition from military to civilian careers. And when I described them in the first version of my TEDx talk, I didn't describe it exactly the way I wanted to. So when everyone was done, I asked the crew to stay after so I could, t- so could re record that one bit, that one part. And they allowed me to. Gotcha. 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 And it's, it's in front of an audience. It is. Yes. Big yeah. audience. How many people do you think were there? It, it, so it's a hundred. So when, if you're going to do a TEDx talk with a new organizer who's never been to a TED talk, who's never been to a TED talk, it's going to be limited to a hundred. Now, if you do it in, there's like something, there's TEDx for education, like UCLA has one. There, that's going to be a, you know, that's, I don't know what their, their hall is called. Is it Royce Hall? Like that's going to be maybe thousands, right? So mine was, wow. mine was a nice small group of, 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 um, of 100, of 100 people. So it wasn't um, as daunting as getting on the stage at UCLA. That's good. That's good. Because 100 is manageable, I feel like. You know, yeah. women on the right has 100. 150. Yeah, yeah. right. It seems right. manageable. It's like a wet. <laughs> yeah, you're talking about the front. You see everyone's face though. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So after you're you're done, your adrenaline is you know finally calmed down. You they release it. How soon after that is it? Do you see it? Or do you get it pretty quickly? Already edited, ready for YouTube. So again, I think that's a that's a organizer thing. So if you. So TED recommends that organizers get the TED Talk back to speakers within a month. Um, our organizers, I think there was like other things going on. And a lot of the, a lot of the people who come and, um, and work on a TEDx Talk, like the, the people filming it and the people editing it, are working, they're volunteering. So, right, so a lot of times that will, that will delay the process. Um, but I would definitely, but yeah, so ours took a, a, quite some time. I think probably like almost six months to get to us. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, gotcha. And then everyone, I'll make sure that not only the Thrive Global um, article, but the, the YouTube video will be in the show notes of the podcast. Oh, yeah. And if you're watching in the Facebook group, hi, we'll put it in the comments um, so everyone can refer back to it. Um, I loved it. I thought it was, I thought you did a phenomenal job. You seemed very comfortable on that stage. Like, and that, a million times. I did, because I did. And that was memorized rehearsed my family ate frozen food for three weeks <laughs> i was like whatever's in the freezer you go for it because i have to memorize this right right you're <laughs> trader joe's here we come <laughs> oh yeah i mean let's be honest my, my family's generally eating, eating frozen food anyway so yeah well, <laughs> right right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's kind of like do you want the chicken teriyaki or do we want the orange chicken what do we want right. like that? that's how it is here anyway <laughs> um, I love that. just to, um, just this gig people going back just a, a bit like, like sure. so the way i got my tedx talk was completely random 
I would say if anyone listening or you know, wants to get on a TEDx stage, the first thing is get clear on your idea, right? And it doesn't have to be a full-blown talk. Most organizers are going to just want a blurb of what your idea is. And uh, so get clear on the idea. And then TED, the, web, the um, TED web, web page, has, the website has an um, upcoming TEDx um, pay, uh, or link. So you can look on there and look up all the TEDx's that are happening. And you can contact people directly from that page or find their Facebook page from it and just submit, just ask if like, just submit. The other thing is that they are often, um, all TEDx talks have a theme. So when you do submit, make sure whatever you're saying fits their theme. And it, it doesn't even matter. Like for me, like my TEDx talk was, um, their theme was mission of Mavericks. And, and that's what I, I talked about, right? There's like these, these female Mavericks started oh, yeah. this whole industry. But I could have easily, you know, rewritten a little bit and talked about collaboration or, um, or women empowerment or compassion. So even if you write for a specific topic, look at the talks you want to talk, talk at and, and bring your talk to and then just fit it in. I think that's great advice. Absolutely. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? Because right. there are different audiences for each TEDx. Yes. Um, I love that. And do you know, and I haven't looked at TED in a while. Are they doing virtual? Have you seen anything virtual Ooh, TEDx? You know, I what? haven't. I've not looked. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen anything come across LinkedIn or anything like that. Mm -hmm. oh, Carrie, they're, they're, this might be our opportunity. <laughs> Can we do a collab and do it together? <laughs> yes. That's right. That would be easiest for me so I can go with the expert and be like, yeah, show me the I love that. I love that. Um, now, leading up to, so we did the TED, TED Talk and everything. It's out there. Do you think it got you maybe more email subscribers? Maybe, do you think it converted in any way? You got more people following you on Instagram. Um, how do you think it converted at all? So I I've, I did a little bit of... Um, of trying to like pushing it out there and 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 trying to gain a little bit of momentum from it. And what I found is like it wasn't from it was almost like from other people sharing it or other people just finding it randomly. So I got a pretty big client from it before the talk even came out. Like this client saw that I was doing a TEDx talk and read my bio um, and and reached out about about you know doing some, some long term term leadership training. So uh, after the fact, I feel like it's gotten me more, more interviews um, and from like more opportunity to, to, and it's been an interesting time too since though, right? So it was, it happened December. I, I think I, I, I was able to share with people mid-March. <laughs> so, so it's been an interesting time to launch anything. Um, but what I've been doing right now is just like sharing that the TEDx talk, sharing information and and so I, I, I wouldn't say specifically, like, it's gained me a ton of momentum, but what it's allowed me to do, much as a lot of my other work, is it's given me something to talk about and push out there as a, a point of value for people rather than trying to sell something. Absolutely. 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 And that's great. It's almost like you're doing your own public relations. Right. Uh, as opposed to saying, you know, just look at my Instagram or watch my Instagram stories, which are important marketing tools, but here's something polished, branded. And you're like, and it speaks for itself. So yes. that's huge. Um, when I watched it on YouTube, I subscribed and I commented because I wanted yeah. to support you as much as possible. But every once in a while, I'll get a push notification that says someone has commented. And I'm like, who is this? 
And I realized it's people commenting after my comments. Oh, so I turned on notifications somehow. So there's a lot of activity happening around your tech talk right now. Very good to know. Maybe I should turn those notifications too. Yeah. I didn't even know I did that. I was like, what? I thought it was my daughter. I'm using YouTube. <laughs> just getting a new makeup tutorial. I don't know, but it was for yours. You should definitely go back and maybe engage with those people. Yes. I will. Um, that's great. That's great. So now we're in the time of COVID. You can't you know, have your creativity in the boardroom with the Legos and, you know, um, glitter. Um, we've had to now move virtually. Um, tell me about how Work Smart Advantage is now moving into virtual. I think when I was on your website, you were told learning Tell me a little bit about that. Okay. So let me tell you how it came about is I was laying in bed for the first week of this and going like, what the heck is going to happen to my business now? Um, watching a lot of Netflix. And and thinking about how am I going to turn my leadership training, which is all very hands-on, into a virtual training. And really, I just decided I'm not. It was, it's not meant to be. So I kind of just hunkered down and, and sat back and focused on very poorly homeschooling my son. <laughs> Same. <laughs> right. And, and then I got a call from a client, and they said, oh, this, here we go. I watched your TEDx talk. And what, so thank you. So that just triggered that for me. And I'm wondering if you do a can do a one hour talk because we as a company are they said we as a company are doing um, a speaker series for our team, and I said oh well yes not only can I do one but I know a ton of facilitators what do you need, so I proposed several to them and, and for their for their speaker series and inviting this proposal I'm like this is my offering right like I know so many collaborators and facilitators who are probably in the position I am where their business is like, what, what are we going to do next? So I just, I, I came up with this idea based on that proposal. I started calling people, Bailey, one of them, Bailey Hancock, who's maybe on this call, or at least like, is definitely yeah, called. I've network. seen her flop in yeah. into the uh, Instagram. So hi, Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> so I started calling people who I've been connected with. And so I'm like, hey, what do you guys think about that, this idea? Would you be willing to be part of it? And everyone said yes. Like everyone I spoke to said yes. So I came up with Virtual Learn Lab. Where, and the, the idea of Virtual Learn Lab um, is to give, is, it's one hour talks for companies to, to give their teams a way to have professional development during this time in a way that's financially reasonable, um, financially reasonable to them. It's convenient for them. And I, I, I spoke to each and every one of the collaborators and I, and I told them like this, this project is not about making a lot of money, right? This is about bringing value in a time when we need to bring value and exposing ourselves to, to companies and businesses who may not know about us. Cause now there's 16 of us promoting virtual learn lab. And, you know, and so my name and my company is getting out to people, to the, the connections of 15 other people. Right. And their time. audiences. Yeah. yeah and that's exactly. huge. It's almost like a shared responsibility. I think that's what's fantastic about collaboration is um, it's usually not for money. It's usually for a, an invested interest in growing each other um, and, and exposure to a new audience. Um, and then I feel like when I have a great collaboration, it's like I'm, I'm you know, putting deposits in the bank and then it, it may not, you know, grow in, in interest for a while, but when it does, man, does it pay off in the end. Absolutely. Um, and the other part uh, uh, on that note too, is like the, the people who I'm collaborating with, they honestly just make me look good, right? People will be like, oh, by the way, like 
<laughs> I'm associated with this person. <laughs> and and I, I know that. She's in my network. Yeah. <laughs> and the other part of it too is like the, the idea of um of just helping each other out and and not having to think you because in the beginning, like if this if this if COVID nineteen happened, you're one of my business, no way would I have pulled anyone in. Right, because I'm like it's all mine. It was from a mindset of scarcity. Where now I feel like I want my clients to have the best in every one of these fields. Like a client called me like, "Oh yeah, I'd love to learn about trust and vulnerability. Do you teach that?" Five years ago, yeah, I do, and I would have Googled <laughs> how to teach that. Right, but now it's like, yes, I do. This is the perfect person to, for me to bring in for you. I love that. It's it's kind of your network, your network of professionals. Um, the answer's never no. It's like I'll find out for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I think that's great. Do you now do you typically work with larger corporations like a Google or a Facebook or do you work with small businesses? I, I, I work with all size businesses and you know, I even though you see the big names, LinkedIn, Google, um, Pandora on my on my website, uh, I tend to work with businesses that are um, I would say high growth companies that are maybe four to six years into business, have about ninety employees, maybe like give or take. Because those are the companies who are realizing that uh, we need to do something about our culture and our leadership because what we've been doing is growing so fast that we're just promoting people into management roles who aren't ready for management roles. Yes. So that's also like trying to keep up when really they should have prepared at the front of this to, you know, develop their employees. Yeah. Um, I think that's important. Also, it's kind of like once you have these employees in place of leadership and everything, and they now have people under them that they're supervising, how do they talk to them? How do we communicate? You know? And so that's great. It's almost like a a component of HR um, when you're working with a big company and even bigger companies, I'm sure like LinkedIn and Google, they have a budget for people like you that they have to spend. Um, And it's all in their human resources. So they're like, we've, we have this pot of money we don't show where we spend it, then we don't get it back. So then LinkedIn is now asking, you know, Yelp, hey, where did you find that bun? And because we got a budget too. And then they're like, oh yeah, Yelp. And then Twitter's calling, hey, can we get, this is how I feel like it just snowballs, right? Yeah. Uh, those big corporations have the money. Yeah, they have, they have the money to spend. Absolutely. I feel like, I feel like some of the small companies have the need. It's harder to find the money sometimes. Um, but sometimes that the need is, becomes they've gotten let the need get so powerful that they're like we'll spend what we need to spend because people they're learning that people quit because of management yeah right yeah i worked with this i worked with this one company that um you know i worked with this it was an advertising agency i did a workshop for them we went out to lunch with the group and the gentleman sitting next to me i asked him like how long you've been in in this business of um, creative directing and he's like 25 years like oh well how is this training compared to some other other management training you've had like this is the first one I've ever had. I'm like in 25 years, you've never had management training. You've been managing for 20 of those years. <laughs> it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's that's kind of frightening. <laughs> um, so maybe he has some natural ability just to lead, which some people do. Um, that's incredible. Uh, I love all of this, and we've got to figure out a way to bring it to the broad network. Um, yes, we do. That'd be fun. And, you know, it's almost like I'm trying to brainstorm ideas, but we'll talk offline about it. I was like, because what all entrepreneurs really struggle with at the beginning is kind of getting out their messaging and getting out their voice 
and it can come in so many different forms. And I think if you started through, like you said, build what you want your message to be, build, you know, uh, it might get rid of those blocks we put in front of ourselves, which I think leads to imposter syndrome. You know, um, this, this is, these sound like a fantastic tool to get out of our own way sometimes. Um, I love that. So where can we find you if we want to uh, follow up? Now, like I said, we're going to have the Thrive Global and the YouTube TED Talk in our show notes. But where can we find you if for all our people live? So I, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn at Vin Lydemone. Um, Instagram here at WorkSmart Advantage. And that's pretty much where I spend most of my time on, on social media. Gotcha. That's yeah. great. Now, before, I always like to end with things you get carried away about. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I have a couple questions for you. Um, first off, because we're stuck indoors, indoors and in time of quarantine as, and as a guest here in LA, what are some of the places that you've been to that just you're just in love with that you can't wait to get back to? Uh, oh, I, you, you don't mean like my hallway and my kitchen. <laughs> I mean like outdoors. You know, the beach. I feel like I could go to the beach now, but it's, I don't. I still don't feel that safe to go. Um, I used to surf when I was younger, and it's kind of like let that go. And my neighbor surfs, and I was just talking to him yesterday. Like, you know what? I have never been a great surfer, but just the idea of getting in the water and just floating on top of the water, even if I catch zero waves at all, I'd love to get back to that. Oh, that sounds amazing. Do you paddleboard by any chance? I have, but not in the ocean, just in the marina here. In the oh, marina gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Do you paddleboard? I bet it's really calming during this yeah. time. Yeah. And you're in open space in the ocean, so right. I would hope that would be safe. Yeah. All right. I love that. I love that. Um, so also uh, in relation to quarantine, what are you getting carried away about entertainment-wise? Are you podcasting, reading? Netflix, what are, what's, what's keeping you entertained? So I have been, I started this thing where I've been exploring my own creativity. I, I do a collage a day. I, I have like these wood blocks that I usually use for my workshops. You can see them up there. Um, those are my collages. So, I had no idea. I thought you like got those from, you know, West Elm or something. <laughs> so this is what I'm saying. Like it's, it's, collaging is such an easy entry into creativity. I had no idea. I had no idea, right? <laughs> I just started making things. And when I say I get carried away with it, I'm like, it's, it's like, oh, I'll just do one every, every now and then. I think, I don't know which day of COVID, I decided, like, I'm going to start doing one every day. And I will stay up till 3 a.m. until I finish it. Cause I'm, and not because I feel like I have to, but that's what creativity does for me. It just carries me away. And I want, I want to be there. I want to finish that. I love that. And if you're in the Facebook group, you can really see it. Um, it's a little bit limited here in Instagram. Oh, the Facebook group can see like, I'd say five or six. They're really beautiful. Thank you. Um, I love that. Now, the last question is, what's something that you hear people are obsessed with and they absolutely love, but you just can't wrap your head around it? Like for me, it's like, I can't wrap my head around anyone who's obsessed with Grey's Anatomy and chocolate. Wow. Um, I don't like eating it. Or tomatoes. I don't know if people are obsessed with this, but people like, in, a, in like a negative way, obsessed with Tiger King. Oh. Like, like, I can't even, I look at the picture of him. Like, I can't even like think about watching him for how many hours, right? So that's one of it. And then the other one that when, because I know you, have, you sent me this question before, it's like, and I put, I wrote down banana bread. I don't mean banana bread. Like I love banana bread and any big goods. But what I found that people have been doing during COVID is doing a lot of like, People who don't bake have even started baking. 
And it's like, I, I just, that's not something I do. But if anyone's out there doing a ton of baking, you're free to come my way and drop off on my doorstep. <laughs> She's taking orders. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's so great. Any last words of wisdom you want to share with everybody? I could talk with you forever. <laughs> I could talk with you forever. So, so, the, so I talked a little bit about the, um, my, the, the through line of my TEDx talk, which follow your curiosity, ask what if, and take small steps. So I would have to say like right now with all of, I, the way I describe what I have right now is like this constant underlying anxiety, right? With that first number one with COVID and then with all the, this uprising of racial injustice, like I feel like there's so much personal anxiety and personal um, like educating myself, but there, it's, it's heavy. It's all very heavy. So, so in the first couple of weeks, I was like, I don't know, like, I don't even know what to do with myself. I was so overwhelmed. And then I went back to what I teach is the idea of taking small steps. Right. So if anyone out there happens to be feeling overwhelmed, yeah, I'm sure a lot of us just take those small steps forward and that's all you can do. Let one small step lead you to the next small step. I completely agree. A hundred percent. And it's, you know, we're not going to solve uh, the world problems today, but as long as we keep talking about them and keep them in, you know, the the view, um, that's where I think change can really take place. Um, we don't want to be like, Oh, I'm not going to look at that right now. <laughs> yeah, so keep talking and you're right, small steps. Stay curious, just like you said. I love that. Uh, well, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. I do too, Carrie. I can't wait to uh, see you in person again. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I was going to say we'll have to do it actually live in person at some point. Yeah, I think yeah. the last time was Women on the Rise. Yeah, I didn't even make it to that because like, it was when co- like, I, I had buy a ticket, COVID happened, my babysitter canceled. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> Right? Like, well, a lot of people didn't make it to women on the rise. You do not want Nico at any <laughs> event <laughs> climbing the walls. <laughs> oh, like seven, you can't put them in the corner like you could when they were in the car seat, right? And just right. like, just take a little nap right there. Not so right no, it doesn't get easier. I'm just, it just changes. <laughs> right. Absolutely. All right, love. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for your time, too. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Carried Away. I'm your host, Carrie Murray, founder of The Bra Network. If you are listening and you are a female entrepreneur looking to be lifted and supported in your business endeavors, head over to bra-network.com. We'd love to have you in our community and help push you up.